this is the 14th Q&Ass podcast. No, is that? Yeah, that's what it's called. Um, we decided to go with 14 because Ethan read this thing where podcasts don't, like the average podcast doesn't make it past 13. Really? Yeah, so like every podcast is going to be the 14th <laughs> one. <laughs> so, this is probably the 11th one. Probably foreshadowing <laughs> something. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so Kevin Brittingham, this is the Q&Ass podcast with um, this one. I've been friends w- with uh, really everyone that we've done these podcasts with so far, but this one is special to me. Uh, this one is with Jeff Creamer, who is a great friend of uh, mine and Ethan's, we worked with at Sig, and his wife Jessica's here as well. Um, uh, so Jeff, how are you, buddy? Good, man. Good. I, I'm so honored to be the 14th uh, interviewee on the podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> the third consecutive 14th. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, no, thanks for the time. So, uh, and his wife Jessica's here, which will probably have some smart-ass comment if <laughs> if I know her at all. But um, so. Uh, Jessica and Jeff um, seem to be, from my perspective, in charge of SB Tactical. That is the name, correct? That is correct. The yes. the arm brace, which was known as the SIG brace. So um, back in the day. Back in the day. That's right. <laughs> so um, wait, let me let me pull up all my notes. But uh, I, I mean, I know one was. Well, no, we'll start with some other stuff. So I'll start with some of this, like um, before SIG. Your background, what'd you do? It was uh, really like high speed stuff. So, um, <laughs> prior to SIG working backwards, uh, was uh, 16 years in big box retail, mostly not in the industry. Um, Barnes and Noble, uh, Omaha Steaks, Crown Books, Lord and Taylor, Circuit City. I didn't know about Lord and Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fancy. And. Uh, at the time, <laughs> I uh, need to be in charge of Lane Bryant at this point <laughs> with my beer consumption. Spank, well, Spank, Spanks wouldn't harm me. So, um, yeah, no, yeah. So I was um, uh, running stores, uh, multi-level, multi-unit stores, either in the corporate office or on the road. Um, yeah. And was a uh, closet uh, gun queer, and yeah. um, spent all my uh, excess money on uh, on guns. And yeah admired the industry from afar. Uh, and then prior to that, um, I was in the military briefly and wanted to be a police officer and kept getting promoted in the retail thing and it didn't make financial sense. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Not going to make a lot of money being a cop. Yeah. Yeah. But I always had a dream of being in the industry and, um, I love shooting and took a class at the SIG Academy and, um, stalked the guy that ran that for about six months and he needed somebody to help him so it worked out and I only had to take a you know billion dollar pay cut yeah you know it's it's funny um, I have a few comments um, is the Spanx thing true no oh no okay because I have a Spanx store do you, oh, do you? yeah so be- before my my baby mama um, I dated a lovely girl named Salam Weld who went to the University of Georgia, and she was roommates with the girl that founded Spanx. Ah. And I think it was her senior project, or there was some story. But <laughs> Salam, I still talk to her occasionally. She's a lovely girl. But, you know, now in her, I don't know, I'd say she's probably 40, early 40s. <laughs> I think feels a little bit slighted. <laughs> she didn't come up with the billion dollar idea. 
Um, and she's like, we were all doing that for years, cutting our pantyhose off and stuff. You know, she's a little bitter about it. I, I talked to her about a year ago and heard the story again. Um, but that's a true story. So, um, yeah, you know what it is interesting. One thing I realized where. I think a lot of people in our industry don't ever set out for it to be a career. Like, uh, like maybe for you, it was your hobby. And I think a, a lot of, um, you know, like fans or customers we have of Advanced Armament and now of Q and even, you know, at SIG and Remington and those, those in my past, um, what I realized over time was how lucky I was because most people who are our customers on the commercial market you know, and, and maybe they can't go and live what they think would be their dream because just like you, you want to be a cop, but then you start making too much money, you can't go be a cop. It makes sense. But I it used to get aggravated with a lot of the emails and questions and stuff. But then it's like, then I, I realized one day I had like an epiphany. I felt very honored because it's like, holy shit, I get to do something every day yeah. that most guys work all week and have this great job to support their family and pay for private school, whatever. And you know, the guns are what they spend their leisure money on, or it's their hobby. And it's like, holy shit, that's a real quality of life thing you don't understand until you like you get older. Is like I get to do something Yeah and ten hours a day that I love. Yeah, and I, I remember, you know, we get uh, I'm sure you do too. I've seen the emails at SIG and uh even here at SB we get, you know, unsolicited emails. Hey, look, I'll come sweep the floors. I'll Yeah. You know, I'll I'll sleep on a cot. You know, I just wanna be I just wanna do what you do. Yeah. And um Every day we get it. And I've been there, so I know exactly what it feels like. And I feel incredibly lucky to have had the the career path that I did because I just basically did the same thing. I gave up and I said, I don't care about the money. I just want to be here. Yeah. And, um, you know, I got taken advantage of, as you know, you do because that's like cheap labor. Um, But it worked out. I mean, really, (laughs) I got to do what I wanted to do. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that and and I told you earlier this morning where. Um, you know, meeting you when you worked at SIG and all that. And it became obvious to me from a gun guy's perspective, you're, you were an all-star at, at SIG. That doesn't necessarily yeah. blend with the co- corporate culture. Right. Um, you know, and to me, like, I, I believe, like, you found a home here. Um, you know, because I was on the initial, like, the arm brace is stupid uh, yeah. You know, on that whole bandwagon. Um, but ha- I think that was the first thing you said to me when you came to say. <laughs> I was I was dumb and wrong. <laughs> and you were right. No. I mean, I think, you know, but I think this is one of the reasons I really respect you now. Like, you know, to me, in a lot of ways, you're a mentor to me. Like, you've been right about a lot of things before I understood it. And, you know, like, I appreciate that. And I'm not no. too proud to learn things. And, um that's nice of you to say. I think you've been right about a lot of things, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, in all fairness, I think I swing the bat a lot more than you yeah, do. Yeah, you do. But I think it's like Brett Favre as a quarterback. Like, I throw a shitload of interceptions. I'm just willing to take the abuse to get the touchdown. I think you're a little more strategic uh, than I am. Yeah, actually, I remember, I don't know if you remember, but uh, you came up to talk to people before you started at SIG. And, Gave you had a tour. You had a two-hour block with me, and you were like, "So, who are you, and why are you walking me around?" Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I had no fucking clue. But, um, but you know, I think also part of that for me now, you and I being buddies, is why I'm proud of you and happy for you having another thing. Because I don't think you got, I didn't know who the fuck you were, and 
that that's no fault of you. To yeah. me, that's a fault of SIG's management um, at that at, at that point. And you, you know, like you and I, and you're much nicer than me, and I'm sure. Within corporate executives within our industry, I like Ron Cohen. Yeah. But Ron Cohen is also fucked up, and there's shit that I don't like about him. And he makes mistakes, and he yep. lets he lets some of the wrong people go, and he doesn't. But it is hard. He's got a big company, and it's hard mm-hmm. to identify talent. And I think some of the the filters that are blocking some of his views should be removed. But um, you know, I think that's true for every big company, though, right? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's hard. Um, you know, in his defense, he he is much more, and we've talked about this before. He's much more involved, um, yeah. you know, on the engineering side or the product development side yeah. than I think most of his peers would sure be. Um, so he gets a lot of credit for that because I think he's he's pretty close to the to the product line but look it's a big company and uh, it's not about I didn't I wouldn't have expected you to know who I was um, but I would have considered it a failure if you didn't know what I had done and uh, you did because you told me it was gay. So yeah, <laughs> the arm so, brace. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I will say. Well, to your defense, he makes sure to know who Tom Taylor is. Who I think Tom Taylor would. I don't know what he's in charge of marketing and sales. Is a very nice man. He's a smart fella. Very average compared to you, in my opinion. Um, you know, but I think I've been spoiled. Like I've been surrounded by a lot of really brilliant people most of yeah. my career. So when we're surrounded by people that are mediocre and have big jobs, that like that that well, bothers me some probably well, more it's, than you. It's tough because Sig is a type of company. I think what always gave Sig its competitive advantage was the amount of money and time and effort uh, and resources they devoted to product development. And, you know, if you yeah. compared them against the majors, the, you know, the amount of, of stuff that they brought brought to market uh, dwarfed what the other companies were doing. Yeah. Um, and part of that I love about Ron and I relate to with him. And part of it, I think, is a mistake, honestly. You can go too far. And yeah. Knows. But, you know, he has he has a, a, a really big... Um, I don't know. I'm searching for the word. Like... Um, the people around him like his posse yeah (laughs) (laughs) he you know one thing i admire about ron is he does solicit opinions from others yeah um i think he goes too far because i mean i know when i got there there was probably like six or eight people Mm -hmm. and then in the my two-year stint that room turned to 30 people yeah and that that's just too big and it's impossible and yeah um, but i think you know i think like most big companies um having latching on to recognizing what might be a good idea and then actually bringing it across and delivering it the way that you should um, from a quality standpoint and a design standpoint um, is incredibly slow Um, yeah I think it's too slow for Ron it's too slow for me Yeah, Um, so I understand that so the ability to have an idea do something quickly with it, get it to market, and it'd be right uh, to be nimble is probably one of the coolest things about leaving the environment of a big company and moving to a much, much smaller company. Yeah, well, okay. The caveat to that is, um, to me, you and I were both involved with the MCX, and I truly believed, I'm no idiot when it comes to guns, Um, the MCX was the first gun that could legitimately 
potentially replace the M4. Yep, I believe that. And and okay, so you do too. So I think a big part of the failure so far of the MCX. I don't even know if they call it the MCX anymore. You probably know, but it's like no, the Virtus. I think it's yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's the MCX Virtus now, actually. So, okay, yeah. but was um, rushed it to market because the market got soft. Numbers weren't there. Needed to rush something to market, and I think at the end cut corners and didn't listen to. Maybe in that situation, that's hard when it is a big company. So I see what you're saying. Ron listens to salespeople and not to the smartest engineers that are there. Um, I think that has happened historically on occasion. Yeah. I, I mean, I think probably the XI might have been one. That was right when I was getting there, I yeah. believe, when I came to SIG a few years ago. And, and, then, and then recently, you know, we talked about the 365, which we both know the engineer involved in that is fucking stellar. Yep. Um, and some of the initial guns are having issues, issues with, and I don't think that's going to be a long-term problem no but it's probably another casualty of rushing shit to market before it's, you should it's the uh, reinforcing the i don't want to be a beta tester kind of mentality in the marketplace which um which is unfortunate because uh i think it's probably one of the best things they've done in a long time i completely agree with that that is the first product that will be would have been well will be i will still get one um the 365 would be the first thing that I've bought from SIG since Allegiant 226 and the MCX, the 226 SAO, uh, yep. and um, the original MCX, but without the auto-regulating gas valve. That was a fight, too, by the way. Uh, Nobody will buy the SAO 226. We can't uh, sell them. I mean, to some degree, <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm not the Army Air Corps pilot. Um and uh, I have his 1911 that was his service pistol. That's um, cool. Yeah, that's cool. But the guns are cool, and I, I have several custom ones and all, but, you know, I can spend $6,000 on a 1911 that's not as good as a $1,200 220. I mean, that's just yeah. the reality yeah. of, of things. Um, oh, I forget where I was going with that, but the, the 365... I don't even carry a gun daily, but that gun is freaking cool. When you look yeah. at it next to a, the Glock, what is that, the 43? Yeah. And, oh, you get, like, five or six more rounds or something yeah. in the damn thing? Yeah. Holy cow, what a cool gun. That's a slick piece of engineering. And that gun, I mean, to be fair, that gun was in the works for a long time, two years before I left. So, um, yeah, that's the development curve on that gun was four and a half years. <clears throat> Which doesn't make sense that they rushed it at the end. But, I mean, I do know, you know, that's where I'm amazed looking back. Like, you look at back, at, look back at some of your past and where I think when I started Q, from the first meeting, the first week, six months later, we're shooting a prototype of the fixed rifle. Yeah. And now being, you know, two years removed, that's incredible. Unheard of. And that, I mean, no wonder I spent millions of dollars. Like, but, um... You know, and, and we made mistakes and, and all that, but I can't imagine doing that again. Like, yeah. it, it's like Eugene Stoner interviewed, I think I've said it in a podcast before, where Trey interviewed, Trey Knight interviewed, from Knight's Army interviewed Eugene Stoner once, and he said that 
had I gone to engineering school and had an engineering degree, I never would have designed half the shit that I did because I would have thought it was impossible. And I tell you, you know, it's part of being an entrepreneur and me being willing to risk and and shit. Would you? Would he? Did he say it was impossible or? <laughs> he said impossible. <laughs> I stole that from him. Trademark. Um. So, uh, but I think it's the same thing. Like now, if if we have to do like we're potentially thinking of in the future one of one of our future big projects in the near future will be another rifle project mm-hmm. i'm thinking two and a half to three years yeah. where we did that one in six months yeah and shipped the first guns in small small quantities but in 12 months um yeah well when ridiculous. you bring yeah particularly on the firearm side when you're doing something innovative um it takes a long time you can't yeah I, I, three years would be fast, quite frankly, if you started with a piece of paper today. Yeah, it, I mean it's just so so much going on, you know. And now, like uh, your current company, you you guys are doing the arm braces. You know, my past was silencers, like relatively simple products. Yeah. Yeah, when like a whole gun, oh my lord, it's it's difficult. Yeah. Um, well, how did um, okay, so you're working at. You go from big box, yeah, to Sig Academy, yeah, shooting guns, and so then you moved to to Sig to uh yeah. So um, we had uh, started uh, the pro sh- I had started the pro shop at the Sig Academy, and oh uh, okay. And when we started that, uh, we started goofing around and taking guns and doing stuff to them because we had the talent at the academy to do that. Um, what, that you mean like gunsmiths? Yeah, we well we had guys that that had previously been at the custom shop like Dylan Kennison. Oh um, yeah, you know really talented guys. Um, Scott Kennison, yeah. um, his dad actually, who yeah. uh, you know who knew their way around classic line guns. So we started doing stuff to them, and then we started playing around with stuff like. Um, Cerakote was relatively new. Sig wasn't doing anything with Cerakote at that time. So we'd send guns out and have like unique colors done, like OD or FD. Or Sounds something like, like that. where Legion started. Well, actually, it's where the, Scor- the Scorpion was born. Okay. The Sig yeah. Scorpion. Um, Which so has been very popular. It, it did okay. Uh, and one day, Ron came over and said, What is that? And he pointed to a gun and we told him what we did. Uh, he went, Huh. And uh, a couple months later, Sig launched the Scorpion, which was what we had done at the Academy. Uh, and there were a couple other examples of that. And uh, all of a sudden, he called after a few years and said, uh, do you want to come do something over here? And I found myself out of shooting guns every day and at the factory as the director of product management. Um, which is which is wonderful and a curse at the same yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. And it was kind of like the job that... I had always dreamed of having. You know, That's so a cool like job at SIG. Yeah. I mean, out of all the gun companies, like Ruger's doing mm-hmm. some, th- that would probably be a cool job there the last five yeah. years, but yeah. SIG would be the number one, I would think. It was fun. So I had, you know, I had pistols, long guns, uh, accessories. I mean, so I had product managers um, that I got to work with, and we'd come up with ideas and pitch them and try to get them done. Um, so how, how much did the SKU count for firearms grow during this time? Um... Sig was already on a trajectory, kind of following the Kimber model. Yeah. Uh, of well, uh, for of those Skew. that don't know, that's where Ron Cohen, yeah. the CEO, he Came was from. a VP of something at Kimber. Yeah, he was the general manager at Kimber, and general and manager. he had been very successful at Kimber of of coming up with um, basically they build one gun, right? So. Yeah. 
what do you do with one gun? Uh, besides, unless you're Glock, right? If you're Glock, you you know you you change calibers yeah. and sizes, and yeah, that, you, that's right. You make a billion dollars. Well, well, let me interrupt you there. I I remember because I think this will add to the story. Like Ron Cohen told me once, like there they had when he was at Kimber and they needed to grow and diversify. He was kind of in charge of figuring out what to do. Yeah. And they had a certain amount of money, and he came up with they could do 1911s or AR-15s, and um, he picked. 1911s and it was maybe because I don't even remember the reason but like they were smaller they were you know like he understood that a little better and that's how they started doing the 1911s but he was just weighing like how do we grow this company from a production standpoint yeah, yeah from yeah, a production yeah. standpoint yeah. well he got creative and started doing you know colors and finishes and polish and yeah Kimber you know. made 1911s so popular yeah, again he did a did. wonderful job he did and um but that's where that whole skew you know so when you when you talk oh, about God, they had a thousand 1911 skews yeah shit. yeah and uh and we caught up pretty quickly uh yeah <laughs> so, so uh yeah so i think the you know the the skew growth was uh greater in hindsight than i probably would have if i had it to do over again i would have slowed some of that down but um because yeah. I think when I got there, the firearm SKUs were 2,000 or 3,000 or something. Yeah. I, I was shocked at the number. Yeah, the commercial SKU count, you know, at one point was, uh, in terms of what a dealer could order, was in excess of 300. Uh, and that was before optics and ammo and silencers. And that was, oh, you know, before yeah. all that. So, yeah. uh, and that was with two long guns. So, two long guns and <laughs> 348 handguns, right? So, um, where there was actually like six models. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, but I got, you know, I, it was fun because at the time, I oh, mean, yeah. it was, I, I got to do, you know, did a lot of stuff. Um, uh, I, I remember, you know, the I launched the Mark 25. Yeah. Uh, and that was the most That's successful. Great idea. Um, well, I didn't do anything. I mean, it was just like, oh, okay, well, we can call it the Mark 25. Awesome. And now. Well, uh, okay. Everybody. I get that shit a lot, but there's a lot of credit to be given to the guy with the idea and the understanding of that that will make an impact on the market. Well, okay, but it yeah, okay. So, but the gun existed. It wasn't. It wasn't. There was no innovation. It was just like, hey, it was a marketing thing. Like, yeah, okay, well, I don't want to join the Navy to get it. Right, <laughs> right, okay, right. You get an anchor and you get a UID level. But it was funny. So the gun was wildly successful because it's a great gun, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great a gun. Everybody gun. wanted one. The two two six is probably still my favorite nine millimeter like service pistol. But I remember, I remember a semi heated conversation one day of uh, a year later of I need another Mark twenty five. And, it sounds and, like something Ron would say. And yeah. I said, to, I said the first thing that came to mind was, we'll get the military to adopt another gun. Um, now, they did well after with the 320, right? Well, there was the Mark 11, but that was... Isn't, isn't right. that the 228 it's or... M11 with 228. Oh, M11, yeah. But we don't make 228. We didn't make 228s. Those were done in Germany. In Germany. Yeah. But what we did do, and I said, all right, we'll try this, and... We came out with the M11A1. That's right. That's what it was. Brilliant. And uh, that was uh, wildly successful. Go figure, right? So, um, but that was even more of a uh, yeah ghost story. That didn't even yeah. exist. Well, A1. yeah. That's well, we had submitted it though. Oh. And that was the whole story. We submitted it as a replacement for the M11. They didn't take it, but we submitted it. Why didn't so, they take it? Because I think they were looking to change platforms, which they did, and they went with the 320 compact. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, so that that kind of stuff was fun. I had a lot of fun doing that, and uh, and then you know one day, uh, shot of 2013, 
uh, I was the director of product management, and a guy came in to the booth, wanted to meet with somebody. Alex uh, Bosco. Alex Bosco. Um, and so I met with him. I remember it distinctly. I stood on the floor. We didn't even go into a conference room. And he had a bag, and he pulled uh, this rubber thing out of his bag and said, I came up with this and uh, told me the story, and I thought it was a great story. I loved what he did. Um, and it was to help disabled shooters control an AR pistol. And I said, I think that's fantastic. And I was trying to think in my head of where I could send him so that he could help bring this thing to market. Yeah, because in your mind, that doesn't fit SIG probably. That's, he's going to yeah. sell 20 of these a year. Yeah, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a fit necessarily for SIG. And he hadn't, you know, it, it was funny. He's explained it, and I got it. And, and then, he, then he showed me a picture of it on a gun. And I was like, wow, that's like pretty smart because the aesthetics made it look, you know, kind of like it belonged on the gun. And I was so like, it was okay. A, it was AR pistol. It was an AR pistol. The yeah. arm brace on yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, it was the SB15. It was the original brace. And I went, that's really cool, you know. And then he said, oh, by the way, and he pulled out an ATF approval letter. And I tried my very best to maintain a poker face, but I said, <laughs> I said do not leave. Stay right here. It uh, sounds like the whole... Silencers aren't legal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. right. And uh, so I went and grabbed a couple other people who were way smarter than me, um, general counsel and their, our ATF compliance guy. And they looked at the letter and they go, now you're good to go. And uh, fortunately, um, Alex liked SIG. He was a big SIG fan and liked who we met at SIG and decided to, to go with SIG to bring the product to market. Uh, was it like the iPhone? Did you guys have an exclusive? Did yeah. Did have an exclusive? Yeah. So at the time, Alex had two. He had two products. He had one that was designed to fit on an AR buffer tube, mm -hmm. and he had one that he had built an adapter to fit on an AK. So. Oh. Um, oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah that's right. So because yeah, you didn't have an exclusive on that. Right. So we did the exclusive with him on. Uh, it, it was a three-year deal. We did an exclusive on the AR buffer tube deal and he did an exclusive with Century Arms on the AK. Um, and we launched it. It was uh, it was me and Amy Pavir, who was the director of marketing yeah. uh, at SIG. And uh, we got approval to do it. It was a little bit of a fight, but we <laughs> got approval to do it because there were a lot of people that thought it was a gimmick, right? You know, it didn't, wasn't going to do anything. It didn't make sense. They didn't understand it. Yeah, that's the way I felt at the time. Yeah. And uh, I was wrong. Uh, it wound out to be a pretty successful product for SIG. No shit. Uh, yeah. And then a uh, couple years later, um, towards the exclusivity winding down, uh, Alex realized that he wasn't going to be able to grow the company with two products and two customers, um, and he needed help. So he reached out and said, this is what I see happening. Do you think you could do anything with this? Um, and I said, you know, I think we could. Yeah. So, um, so I politely uh, parted ways with Sig as friends, and uh, I don't think Ron was surprised, really. Um, and I started January first, twenty sixteen. I took Amy Pavir with me. Has uh, it been that long? Yeah, yeah. January first, twenty sixteen. And uh, that's when I left. Was yeah, it January? Was, was it January? Was, I think so. 
I thought you left like a month before me. I don't I thought, know. No, I think it was on my birthday. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. So, yeah, so uh, we went in two and a half years. Genuine. We went from uh, you know two products and two customers to uh, how many SKUs do we have now? 30, 40, 40 SKUs. Uh, we have 38 uh, OEM partners. 38? Uh, 38. Jesus Christ. Uh, we just landed probably our biggest deal yet with this company called Q. They do super heavy <laughs> shit. That's awesome. I, I will say the Honey Bread Badger Brace is the prettiest thing I've seen since. It is because you designed it. But um, <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, so it's it's been cool, and I think that there's a lot more to do, and I think that um, the thing that's really cool and really exciting for me personally, and I think for Alex too, is that we went from taking a product that was like kind of a niche. Uh, gimmick product, which is an AR pistol. Yeah. Um, that manufacturers that were making them. Look, at the time that the brace came out, there was one company that dominated the AR pistol market entire. Like they had like 80%. Sure. Who was it? Bushmaster. I was gonna say I, I remember back in the day. This is this is going back probably when you were like Lord and Taylor. Um, Olympic Arms. Olympic. Olympic yeah. was the first one to commercially produce the pistol. I remember it. That had to yeah. be. 20 or 25 years yeah ago. and in fact the guy that that alex designed the brace for his his buddy that was a veteran that had, had unfortunately got blowed up and lost a couple of limbs um had an had an oli pistol um yeah. and and just was having a real hard time controlling it on the range and that's that's how the product was born but um over time bushmaster you, you know dpms bushmaster that you know that set yeah. they owned 80 percent of that market they were really the only ones producing ar pistols they were doing dissipator pistols oh, and, oh yeah, yeah you know yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like um, bushmaster because they bought uh like carbon 15 or yeah. whatever that company yeah. was called and they yeah. made an ar pistol yeah yeah, yeah i remember um, that. Okay. And the really interesting thing that happened in the market was when when Sig launched the product. When we launched the product as a braced accessory, but at the same time we started putting it on guns, right? So it was yeah. it was going on five five six pistols. It was going on M four hundreds and five sixteens. So basically, any it, in fact, we actually did seven sixteen pistols, which yeah. was actually a really cool gun. Oh, the twelve and a half inch, twelve yeah. and a half inch three hundred eight. Yeah, 308, yeah right? the seals had a twelve and a half inch. Yeah, three hundred eight. Yeah, it was just anything that we were. I mean, so my my point was, look, we can sell it as a package accessory, and people will get it, and they'll build pistols or put it on their pistols. But we have it, so let's put it on our pistols. I think that helps to make it mainstream. That reminds me of, you know, for instance, for me, I had a couple opportunities when I sold advanced armament. One was Remington. Yeah, and I really felt like. And it's so weird being so old now. Most people don't remember 10 years ago. Most people that are in the industry or listen to this, they weren't around. Yeah. But um, silencers were so, like, behind the curtain. I felt like to make it mainstream, we needed to sell to a Remington. Yeah. Like, the most conservative gun company. Yeah. To make silencers mainstream. And that makes total sense. Yeah. And I, yeah, so, so putting it on a gun from a big gun company well, makes look. it legitimate. Based on what you just said, would you have ever envisioned that a company like Ruger would make their own silencer? No, it's it makes right? me so happy inside. Like I it know. makes me smile. Um, yeah, because it was one of my goals. Like like after, I will say when I because you know I started advanced armament and I was in college and I thought it would be like I was going to be an attorney and that would be my side job and I'd make money to like have like a houseboat or right. whatever, and I would get to have free guns essentially. And then, you know, by the time I graduated, I made more money than both my parents put together. And um, most attorneys. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I wouldn't have to spend 10 years doing a shit job as an attorney. So, um, yeah, it didn't make sense. And, you know, and I left law school after two years. Um, and, you know, that was weird because that was, like, so hurtful to my family because, you know, I was going to be, like, the first professional. Yeah. And in uh, my family, you know, was actually kind of anti-gun, which was a weird thing. But, you know, growing up in the in South. In Georgia? Yeah. yeah, which is weird. We live in the city, though. Yeah. But I didn't grow up with guns and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I think I just found a passion. I knew it's like what I want. I felt more driven than I ever had. Yeah. It was like being a kid and when, when I played sports and I was very competitive and aggressive. And, like, I got the same feeling from this. Like, I felt at home uh, with it. But, yeah, I felt like... There, there were just so many hurdles, and the biggest enemy of com- commercial silencers at the time were FFL holders and gun stores, and like I'm using the air quotes, but gun people. Yeah, thought silencers were stupid. They were illegal. I mean, it was just ignorance. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, not stupidity, and maybe even some listeners don't get the difference, but you know, ignorance, just like not understanding or knowing. And I was completely 100% guilty of that with the arm brace. Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, growing up with NFA, but, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier. 20 years ago, when I was doing Form 4s and I had one employee at my company, at Advanced Armament, and I did, you know, work 15 hours a day yeah. doing all the paperwork, all the shit, assembling silencers. But with, with silencers, the biggest enemy it, it, it was the gun store. And then it took 60 days to get a Form 4 approved. And where I really, <laughs> we even wish. though I called you, not you, I called like the arm brace gay at one yeah. point or something. It was totally, I, I was wrong and stupid and, and, I, and I'm sorry for it. Um, you were not alone. Yeah, yeah. true. And, I, and, and there's still people that kind of have that opinion. But here's what I'll say. 20 years ago, I did Form 4s for silencers, machine guns, short barrel rifles. It took 60 days. Yep. Same number of people doing it. And back then it was on microfilm or microfish or whatever. And it took 60 days. Now, today, we have computers. And last year it was taking 12 months. Maybe now it takes six months. Like, bullshit. Screw that. That is like... That's what creates these markets, you know, for... Yeah. Well, yeah. And so let me circle back to that. But what I was going to say was when when SIG came out with the brace uh, commercially... Bushmaster owned that market, and it was still considered a niche market. I mean, they weren't. Smart. I agree. I didn't know anybody that owned a yeah, AR pistol. They weren't. Um, and the reason that I was interested, quite honestly, is because a lot of the instructors at the academy, um, myself included, got into AR pistols before the brace, um, because we realized that there was actually s- some use if you learned how to shoot the things. Right? They they were tough to well, shoot. It is tough to shoot, but it's just like in some of the courses, if you do, like if you're injured, uh, whatever, if you have to shoot with one hand, because when I go shoot at my range, you know, I'm shooting my pistol with two hands. Yeah, absolutely. But when you start doing, what what do they even call that? I don't know. I've not been through enough classes to know, but when you do like weak side stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what they call it. Yeah. So you, you, one hand. Yeah. Yeah. Single hand. But what we were, to be honest, what we were doing and we went, we didn't know. I mean, we knew you couldn't put a stock on it. We knew that was wrong. Right. Um, but we were shooting them as if they were rifles. I mean, we had, we had buffer tubes on them, and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. With the little foam cover. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The foam and the foam like a bicycle grip. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. You know, use hairspray. Yeah. You told me that. <laughs> use hairspray. Put it on it. Um, but they're short, right? Yeah. You know, so you wound up riding your nose on the charging handle, 
because that's our if you tried to shoot it like a rifle. Yeah. Um, but in two two three or five five six, I mean, who cares? You're not breaking your nose, you know. Yeah. Every yeah no. So start shooting, and they were handy as hell. And in New Hampshire, as in a lot of other states, you could have yes. a loaded pistol in your car, but not a loaded long gun. Yep. Right. So it started to become a thing with the instructors, and you know, we we goofing around with it. So I was I was into the pistol thing at the time. Um, and Bushma- basically the two companies that were an option were Bushmaster and Rock River. Those were the two companies that were selling pistols. Oh, yeah. I forgot okay. about Rock River. And yeah. what, what happened that was interesting, and this is what made me step back and look at the market as a whole, was it was a niche thing. You know, pistols were considered like a range toy. You know what? Okay. Brace comes out. Six starts putting them on guns. We start selling yeah. the brace as a package. And all of a sudden, the rest of the market kind of abdicated the pistol business to SIG. Like... Yeah. I mean, it's three known years as the SIG brace, probably more than the SB tactical brace. Well, well, the the pistol itself. Like, three years later, so that was January... That, so the, the thing launched commercially at NRA in 13. So yep. it was May of 13, right? Shot of 15. I went through the Remington booth. Mm-hmm. Bushmaster had no pistols. In the booth. Well, okay. So, yeah. So, in all what, fairness, Remington. <laughs> yeah, well, I know, but, but, but yeah. it's Shot Show, right? So they had everything in yeah, it, right? Yeah, sure. So they had, you know, let's call it three quarters of the market three years ago. Now they're out of the business, right? Yeah. And that made me step back and go, wait a minute, this is a thing. Like, this is a thing, right? So, now I think what, you know, what you've seen, and uh, you and I have talked well, about it. I'll say, I was on, um, it may have been Nevesky's website the other night. Yeah. There was a company that I respect and admire. I think it was Nevesky. I was shocked when they had a AR pistol with a buffer tube. It was like, yeah. who the hell does that? What is this, like 2011? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you, what are you doing? Um, but I think, what, I think one of the things that we're most proud of, and I know Alex feels the same way, is that, that he created something that actually changed the industry and created created a segment completely created a segment in the industry that's actually a thing so like it's it's what drives me i mean i tell you i, I had um you, you know i had some people attack me on our social media last night about me pointing some stuff out and um <laughs> which weird i don't I, yeah i don't know like ian from recoil at nra when he stopped interviewing me and his introduction it's the first thing that like threw me off in a long time he's like i'm here with kevin Brady, you know with his little yeah. accent i can't do it so I, I'll, I'll try to not do it but he said you know the most controversial person in firearms and i'm like what the hell what is that but um <laughs> Oh, oh shit! Now I lost it. <laughs> but no, what I, you know what I was saying is so so we we step back now and like the the what we call and we coin the phrase because we you talk about pistols and people think you know you're talking about a Glock, so we coin the phrase PDW pistol just to differentiate you know because it's not just AR pistols it's you know HK and CZ and and you know MPX and, oh yeah know, yeah seeing like, it seeing it grow is awesome yeah so it's, it's good a, for the industry it, yeah it's a, it's turned into a category so yeah also, I mean Alex should be I applaud him for that and I get oh that's what I was saying like I don't um, you know I enjoy making a lot of money but I really enjoy changing our industry yeah. and like a, a, a guy last night on social media was like talking some shit about 
me and it didn't really get to me so I didn't care and so then you know it's like from one of those yo mama jokes to then he turns to like our products and he talks about the fix our new bolt gun yeah and um and he said some stuff it just made me giggle so much inside because like I know from someone in this industry for 25 years and is passionate about and loves it what drives me is to make the best thing that's yeah. innovative that impacts our industry and changes our industry like you're talking about with Alex it's not could I make shit that makes more money yeah i got a lot of smart engineers as you know we could do anything we want in our industry yeah i want to do things that really change our industry or change firearms i I, i'm not interested in yeah you know just just the status quo kind of let's evolve paint shit a different color daniel defense sort of thing well i think i think to that point and you're you're right you guys you know you guys are one of the few companies that that I think innovation is the, you know, it's kind of the cornerstone of who you are. But I think yeah, what, what if the industry has taught us anything, I think if the market's taught us anything, is that when there's fear-based buying going on, um, the guys that aren't innovative come out of the woodworks and, and they're trying to make money quick. Yeah. Um, when the industry turns, as it always does, because it's cyclical, uh, those guys always go away. Right? Yeah. Because there's nothing there. There's nothing that differentiates them. And the companies that survive and grow are the companies that actually bring stuff to market that are innovative and are smart and are priced right and people want. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's why some of the bigger companies struggle. Yeah. Yeah, when you get so big and you're relying upon making whatever, 2,000 AR-15s a month yeah. and, you know, like what whatever the thing is. Um, yeah, when it shifts, you know, I think I had never seen, so I'd been making silencers 20 years and I started Q. I had never seen the silencer market not grow by 50% annually because like, it's just been, like, I got, you know, when I got involved in silencers, it was the early 90s. I can make it stop. I'll just tell everybody that HP is going to pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it was an interesting thing. Like you, you, you see, advanced armament at the time that I I was fired in December of two, Christmas two thousand eleven, was many times bigger than Silencer Co. Yeah. At Silencer Shop within a year becomes fifty percent of the silencer sold in America as a distributor. Silencer Co. became over seventy percent of their business. They own the market. Yep. For several years now they're going out of business yeah um thank god when i started q we did silencers we only we did half the product line the silencer market because silencer code tells h tells everyone hba is going to pass because trump's going to get elected and the silencer market shuts down yeah you know one of the silencer companies i'm friends with told me that last year their sales were down 90 percent that is huge. It's amazing more silencer companies didn't go out of business. The margin's good, silencers, that's cool. But thank God we did guns too when I started Q, that we wanted to do the honey badger, bring that back to life. We wanted to do the fix rifle. Um, you know, otherwise, oh my God, I would have been in the same boat with a lot of companies. Yeah. I would have laid off two thirds of our employees because we wouldn't have anything for them to do. The silencer market was dead. Um, yeah, and I think that, you know, the other thing. Yeah, so that was really smart. Uh, the companies that were st- strictly focused on silencers or strictly focused on ARs yep. um, 
really put themselves in a vulnerable position. And a lot of them will go away. We know that and have gone away. Yeah, I guess so. it's probably true within the industry. When you see growth like 50 mm-hmm. to 100% a year, that can't sustain. So people are going to you no. know, go out of business eventually. Yeah. Um, well, let me see. We, we talked about a lot of good stuff. But let me see the questions here. Um, okay, well, well, the next one. You're role here we talked about the growth and kind of the why how i think but your role here so so what are you in charge of here like what well in charge of what are your responsibilities i'm sure jessica's gonna say she's in charge <laughs> well she yeah, is what do you do all yeah, yeah no kidding he thinks uh, yeah that's yeah. what men do we think uh, uh, <laughs> we're, I'm we're dumb get, i'm gonna kidding. get stabbed i can feel it um, no um, we don't hit so yeah we don't hit so so when uh when we came over you know it's basically it's a four-person company right yeah um, which um, a lot of people don't understand right they're like oh, wait a minute like how you know how you do that and uh, one of the things that we as the company was growing that we recognized really quickly um, to be able to satisfy to be able to do what we wanted to do uh, we need like you know really smart people right um, from a logistics standpoint inventory all that so um new hampshire is kind of cool in that there's enough companies within the industry to kind of do what we do or not what we do but you know play in the same yeah. pool uh and right up the street from where you're sitting right now i don't even know if you know this is um l3 and insight technology right oh, yeah um so uh do a lot of business with the government but they make really cool stuff you know thermal night vision you know you yeah yeah um so um, I said, hey, if we, you know, if somebody's working on products that take, you know, a thousand parts to build and it's the size of a pack of cigarettes, yeah. could probably help us out, right? Figuring out yeah, how to do with injection six molding. Piece yeah, with a six-piece brace. brace, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, uh, I said, hey, I know you. Would you like to come do this? And she laughed at me and I said, if you marry me, will you come do this? So, um, <laughs> if I give you the privilege. <laughs> Well, you come to Boy, it. did she lock it yeah. up. So she, um, yeah, so she's, uh, so she came in and, uh, um, so Jess does, um, operations, inventory management, production. She does all the real stuff that happens. The work. Yeah, I get she it. She does all the work. And <laughs> I've got a company too, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I know what we do. Yeah, that works. So but what I, verbalize it. What I really focus on is, is working with Alex on, um, on the product development side and then working with our major partners, um, to, and I get to put my product management hat on sometimes and, and help, you know, either our manufacturing partners figure out that they've got a pistol that they're coming out with and what would make sense on their pistol. Um, yeah, I or, wish more people would listen to you. Well, I see some stuff that doesn't really make sense. Yeah, and that's but that's part of the that's part of the process, right? At least they're getting into the yeah getting into the game. So that's really what I you know, what I spend my time on, and I, and I spend a lot of time talking to our customers, um, yeah. which I really like. I really like talking yeah. to our customers because um, I think our customers are probably a lot like your customers, and they're passionate and they're enthusiasts, and they just you know they totally get into it. And yeah, it ma- it makes you feel good. I mean, I tell you, I. I because you know i i have a reputation with our industry and um you know opinionated you know what what yeah but i tell you what the the happiest things are you know if it's you know we had a similar thing recently with a guy who his son is disabled in a wheelchair and wants to hunt 
you know, like that fucking touches me. I'm yeah. like, oh my God, can we do a special barrel for your son? How about we pay to bring your son to our shop and he works with our engineers and builds his own oh, guns. That's so cool. You know, shit like that. Like yeah. that's cool. Um, you know, or just a regular guy, whether it's, you, you know, you, me, whoever, if you buy a gun from us and this can't, you know, and I, I treasure this going through it once before with my first company, but this period I'm in now, you know, we still have lots of struggles of a small company, yeah. but it's really wonderful because people say, you know, to me right now, you bring us a six pack of craft beer and you want to come build your own gun. You hang out with us today. We drink a couple beers. You build your own gun. Like that's a that's great awesome. experience. Yeah, and no one working at Remington and working at SIG, like you can't do that. No, <laughs> no and, you cannot. And we won't be able to do that forever, but yeah. right now, and it's funny, I had a guy yesterday, he's like, how much will it cost me to, I saw a guy on your Instagram wants to build his own gun. How much will that cost me? I'm like, you buy the gun, you make an appointment, you bring a six pack of beer. Like, it is pretty simple. <laughs> it, 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 if you are opposed to buying beer, then you make a donation to SOCF, Special yeah. Operations Care Fund, that our friend Dave Kramer runs, and that gets you in the door too. Like, yeah. you don't have to do anything else. Like, you bought a fucking gun, you can come yeah. build it. Um, and now it's, well, it's getting so popular and busy now, which it makes me feel great. People really love it, you know, and it makes the engineers feel good and everybody cause they, they share a day and they see that people yeah. like love and accept what they're doing and designing. And these people just leave with an understanding of our product, which That's is awesome. also a good marketing tool for me. And, and especially I think in the fix, our new bolt gun did a lot of things that are unique yep. and that people can't really understand by looking at the gun. So they get to build their own and then and they, they get it. Yeah. And they ask the engineer who they're assembling with. Not an assembly group, the engineer. And every single part of the gun is explained why we did something the way we did. Yeah, that's and okay. that's like a really cool thing. Like, I would pay to go do that. Um, we tried the same thing. We said, if you bring a Diet Coke, you can put a strap on a bracelet and put it in the box. And nobody uh, nobody went for it. Nobody <laughs> showed up the Diet Coke. No. Yeah. Yeah. But actually yeah. if you if you bring Chick fil A, she'll let you do anything you want. Oh my so, god, you and oh me god. both. Uh, I mean I would draw so <laughs> few lines of Chick fil A. I will do unspeakable <laughs> things for a chicken sandwich. Yeah, you know, uh Methuen, uh, is that how you say it? Methuen? Methuen, uh, yeah. So they're they're putting one in there. Mm -hmm. a, a store, not the mall. Nice. But. You know there's one in New Hampshire. There's one in Nashville. Yeah, is it in Nashville? Nashville. Yeah, yeah. It was in, in the mall, like in the backside. There. No, 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 no. There's a freestanding store. No, shit. Yeah, yeah. No. And it's seven. Go right. It's about three quarters of a yeah. mile. Right. I know yeah, exactly. yeah. So there's the one in the mall, there's the little one, and then there's the freestanding store. Well, I'm going, know where I'm going next Thursday when I get back from my trip. Thank you. Um, I'm going to take a pee again. Um, what? Um, hmm. Matters in the whole. Okay, we talked about what you did at SIG, kind of why you left. Um, we, I, well, I think we talked about the best part of SIG, and I probably verbalized some of the things I think are the worst part. Um, you know, I, I love because, it, it, you know, throughout the time I've known you, like I see a pessimistic side, and then I see, and these are things where, you know, I feel inspired, like even with SIG or the big companies you admire and see the positives in them and um which is something i kind of have a hard time with but then again it's like oh my god i don't have to do it spend any money marketing and the big companies yeah. do and they bring product to market and they support customer base that we all do um um so so those are some good things we won't get into that anymore um 
Oh, and and I'm not sure that this this is worded correctly, but fads versus trends in the industry. Yeah. Like when we spoke about it earlier, it's um. So fads versus trends. Yeah, yeah. Like I brought up the zombie thing from a couple that's of a, years that's a ago. Great example. It drove me crazy. That's a great example. Actually, I think Sig did a couple zombie things. Oh like, god. Seriously? Yeah, I think everybody did. That was um, on your watch. Uh, I think I inherited it, if oh. I recall correctly. Um, I think, like, right now, if I look, what I see as fads um, would be things like uh, the bolt-on compensators for 9mm pistols uh, oh, yeah. that people are treating as, like, uh, you know, important for your carry gun. Yeah. Um, I think the let's see how far we can skeletonize a slide or an uh, AR receiver. Um, I th- I, those are fads. Um, trends, though, is let's see how light we can make this and make it still work well. Um, I think the I think the days of building, you know, what did you tell me? A thirteen pound lightweight three hundred blackout rifle. Thirteen pound. Thirteen point two pound. Thirteen point. I think those days uh, are gone. Yeah. So. Um, and, and we can probably point out a few more, but this industry is no different than, to a great extent, it is it is a fashion industry. Um, yeah, I mean, I think as as much as people want to pretend, like, yeah, I, I mean, most of the guns and things that are purchased, it's yeah, it's 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 a hobby. Uh, yeah, it's a hobby, and I think that the vast majority of guns sold on the commercial market today. Um, are bought because the purchaser is influenced by something other than the gun itself. Um, what do you mean? Uh, you know, like John Wick. Um, yeah, I mean that's an example. So like, like you point to you point to guns like the most successful movie. Here's a good trivia for you: most successful movie gun in history, meaning it was featured in a movie and sold more units because of that than any other gun ever can't be the m60 from rambo unfortunately P- that's not it. <laughs> the, the p7 from hans oh, gruber which also would be cool um geez i don't know model 29 oh yeah make my day yep right that's uh, cool yeah so so that's the kind of you know that's the kind of influence but in today's world it's not so much movies as much as it is call of duty Video games to a for a certain commercial segment, yeah. Um, which is why one of the reasons why the Honey Badger, like, was brilliant, right? Has a built in, <laughs> yeah, has a built in why it resurrected. Insta- <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Install it's base true. is huge. Um, but then you have your, you know, your social media influencers, which I think in, oh in a God, lot of I cases, I hate that you even said that. Well, in a lot of cases, they do some good, and in, in, in a lot of cases, they don't. Um, so, well, so know, are the video games, the vectors yeah. still around. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, and and look, you know, huge fan. Chris is a big, you know, customer. <laughs> um, My bad. <laughs> Uh, but so you know, I think there's those kind of pressures, um, not pressures. There's those kind of influences that that drive a lot of these decisions. I think that's why you see a lot of times people spending four hundred dollars for somebody to use a wood burning tool in their Glock grip frame. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I wonder if that'll be if that's a fad or a trend. Well, the, you know, the, what I always tell. found interesting about stuff like that is, as you well know, that's easy enough to do in the tool. So like, if the yeah. factory wanted to do that. <laughs> They yeah. could, right? Um, but 
yeah, I don't know. I, I, I appreciate the fact that, that trends create business opportunities for people. Yeah, true. Um, and the good ones capitalize on it and branch into other things. Yeah. Yeah, the, I didn't really think about the stippling thing. That's been around quite a while now. But, it, you know, it's also a thing where I think maybe with you at SIG and you create all the SKUs and different versions of the different guns. Yeah, Glock, they came out with some different colors, I guess, a few years ago. And it seems as, like they're... exclusive, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like they're catching on now, though, where somebody showed me the 19X or something the other day, which I don't keep up with this, and I was like, oh, well, it's kind of cool, but it kind of seems like the grip should be short and the barrel should be long for right. carry. What do I know? But, you know, it's some slight differences, and it's like, oh, they're finally catching on to, like, the iPhone model where we're going to come out with a new one every year and yeah. you're lame if you don't have it. Yeah. yeah you know, it's good on them. Um, I mean, God knows they 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 bore across in the industry and they um, they really struggled for a few years to gain yeah, uh, acceptance. So. But I think it's a prime example of where you had someone who was an innovator and saw what the future was going to be in our industry before people believed it, yeah. and the market accepted it. And look at in a I big mean, way. Any gun company would love to have Glock, Glock's money. No <laughs> so, no um, so that's pretty cool. Um, what are some of the companies you admire? Why in our in our industry? Yeah. Um, it, so for me personally, like I I always look at stuff. It's a tough one because you have thirty eight OEMs. <laughs> yeah. Well, well yeah. Um, Separate. I love from your all OEMs. of them. Yes, I love I love all of them. Um, okay, they can't be included in this question. <laughs> right. I can't so, include so them. So you're free. Um, yeah, in fact, the companies I'm going to talk about, um, because of the because you excluded me from talking about any of our current customers, um, <laughs> so uh, to me, you know, innovation is a big thing, and um, those are the companies that I admire that that innovate and bring something to market well. And I'm going to probably talk about a couple of companies that you don't know about, or maybe you do. Um, one of them uh, is actually a friend of mine. Um, Sean from Cloud Defensive. Cloud Defensive is a veteran-owned company, and they saw a need and they came out with what was a really cool way to attach a Surefire or Streamlight pressure switch to a gun and manage your cables, right? From, from oh, light yeah, to I, don't, I don't know this. Yeah, uh, really cool. Um, really smart. You look at it and go, "Wish I'd thought of that." That yeah. was really good. Oh, that's cool. Um, and they've had success with it, and, that, and now they're actually coming out with their own integral weapon mounted light which is really well thought out um i think it's probably the next you know the next iteration of the technology that that surefire really you know created a market space for which was an integral forend or you know and, yeah and this is this is kind of going on that so I, that, I like that's cloud defense cloud defensive um i like them unity that's tactical cool. is another company yeah. that i think looks at things and says uh I have an idea to make something useful here, and they actually go out and do it. That's um, cool. And they're kind of all over the place with what they do, but they yeah. do some really cool stuff. Um, I have to, not to, you know, I'll blow smoke up your ass, but I think what you guys have done um, so far to date, um, both on the sponsor side and the farm side, is is an example of innovation that is uh, useful. <laughs> and, and it's actually, it's actually you. you know, it's actually doing stuff that's beneficial to the market. Um, yeah. So I really like that. And I think on a big Thank company you. side, um, the company that has most impressed me since I've been in the industry has been Ruger. Yeah. Um, 
I, I agree to a huge extent. I mean, people who weren't in the industry 15 years ago don't understand how boring and terrible Ruger was. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and how Ruger has just done so many cool things the last few years. They, and they really appreciate how they uh, bring products to market. Um, Explain. It, one of the things that they do that, that none of the other majors seem to be able to do is if they have something new that they're working on, they don't tell anybody about it. Yeah. When they do tell you about it, there's 5,000 of them sitting on the shelf. Yeah, yeah, that's Um, not common, probably in any industry, but certainly ours. Yeah, and I can tell you, before I was in the industry, I can't tell you how many times where, you know, I I would go in and buy all the gun rags and, you know, read everything I could, and I'd find a gun that was featured, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'd go down to my local FFL, I'm like, dude, I want this, you know. I got yeah. money in my hand, and he'd be like, oh, you know, he called like eight distributors and go, oh, that won't be out for eight months. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know that Our kind of stuff. Industry like sucks. So, we really suck at so it. So frustrating. Um, yeah, but, we left the door open for someone. Yeah, yeah, with that kind of Ruger initiative to be yeah. able to do that. And so Ruger does a great job with that. But I also think what they do, uh, for being a bit as big a company as they are, um, they do seem to listen. So like the Ruger Mark IV, <laughs> you know, yeah. I remember sitting oh, in your God. basement uh, at the farm, and I told, explained to you that the only gun I've ever thrown was <laughs> was a Mark One because I couldn't get the goddamn thing back together. Yeah, and, nobody uh, shows you the trick; it's impossible. And we were drinking, and you came over, and in 12 seconds had it back together, and then I really wanted to throw the thing across the room. So, um, yeah, yeah, but it's the- amazing. It took them so long. You know, one thing I'll say about Ruger, which is cool too, is since they've become like a public company, yeah, they have been innovative. Yeah, which defies Weird. all logic. Right. Weird. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, you don't see that with Smith and Wesson, unfortunately. And yeah. I don't know if they're one of your customers. They're not. So let's talk about. that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, like Smith and Wesson, I would say, or even Remington to a huge degree. You know, when I was there, so much potential. Yeah. You know, you have all the things. You have things you can't buy. You know, you have the story, the past. I mean, the Smith and Wesson, you know, revolvers from 150 years ago. You have, you know, Remington's 200 years old. All the cool shit they've done, and like they just can't get out of their own way. Yeah, you know. And I'm starting to see Smith do some interesting things though. Like last year, the year before that, they brought out their classic. What they call? I think they called the classic line or whatever. And they just released the Model 19 again. Oh, that's cool. Right. So they're starting to do some of the retro stuff, which I think yeah. is really smart for them. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of Smith revolvers. Uh, I love yeah. them. And it would be the same, you know, like everybody says, well, why doesn't Colt just make the Python? They'd get themselves out of trouble if they did that. Um, you know, and there's a lot of <laughs> The guys that could build them the way you remember are them long all. gone. <laughs> they're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's you why. Know, yeah, and yeah, the bluing machines give you cancer. But other than that, yeah. they look fantastic. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... The unions maybe destroyed some of that. Yeah, a little bit. And But the other thing with Ruger, too, is I think that what they do is... You, you look at their bulk gun, you know... Um, so they came with $1,100, right, for their what, pursuit, the pursuit RPR, right? RPR, yeah. And it, yeah. so, okay. It's um, incredible. There's a lot of things about that gun that I think, the, the if you look at that gun compared to the fix, you say, okay, well, it's not even in the same conversation. But give Ruger a lot of credit for building a gun, putting it in a chassis, making it accurate at a reasonable price point, 
and they couldn't build enough of them. They yeah, I mean, yeah, I can talk all the shit I want. They've sold probably 200,000 of those Yeah, guns. I mean, they're, they're, they're so, neat guns. Yeah, w- w- the way I look at it, and I really honor them, and I think I maybe even said it on the last podcast, like the the way that I did Surefire when they got into silencers, mm-hmm. like I have no fear of building a better, more innovative gun than Ruger. Um, and I, di- I didn't have that fear with Surefire when I was at Advanced Armament with silencers. One thing I loved was that a big company with big marketing dollars gets in the game and they get awareness for what a product type that we're trying to do. Modernizing a bolt gun. Yeah. You know, Ruger took a half step in my opinion. We took a full yep. step. You know, they're using, um, you know, a classic action. They put a lot of cool features on it. You know, and a different thing they do. I think they had like basically one engineer do the whole thing, did sure. a great job. I, I have one of the guns. I like it fine. Um, you know, the things that I don't like about it is it are the same things I don't like about any like Mauser based gun you got to put in a chassis where mm-hmm. it's like yeah. weight size these sorts of things can't change the barrel easily it's not a knock on ruger shit that's it's true with everyone you had to Nature develop a new gun. Yeah. yeah but you know okay so for for my gun you know our, our gun's three thousand dollars not everybody can afford that not yeah. sure they want to get into that but you can buy the ruger which is great and um it has a ton of the same features but it's you know it's not quite what our gun is but you can get into it. you can you can, yep. you can get in the shallow end you can put your feet in the water yep. see what you think and if you love it then you know i, I hope that ours is the next step because we can't satisfy the demand we have now i mean you know, we're not we're not ruger but yeah. you know as we're ramping i mean we're never going to build a hundred thousand guns a year right. or whatever like right. they can do but yeah i think they created a whole awareness at another level because i always tell people like you have the ruger for whatever twelve hundred dollars or you have a custom gun for five thousand dollars there was nothing in the middle yeah um so they did a wonderful job because it was essentially rather than just having a standard remington you could get a gun with a folding stock with a chassis yeah, exactly. with a full top rail exactly but it wasn't just that right you know it was the it was the mark four it was the takedown 1022 yeah. it was their new pcc gun the little takedown gun which i you know that somebody was yeah. smart and said that gun was dead yeah. Gun oh, dead. yeah. Yeah. I've got one that I and, turned into an SBR yeah. 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> right. But they brought it back, and all of a sudden it's cool. Right. Mm-hmm. It's cool because it takes down, and they made it take Glock mags. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, not, not having that just yeah. like intercompany pride where we're, yeah. we're going to ignore everything so else. They've res- done a lot of brilliant things. I, I respect I, I respect them. So I that's hope that, cool. I hope that answered your question. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's a good conversation. Anyway, what are the, um, obviously, you pushing. And getting the brace at SIG was, it's got to be something you're proud of, but a huge freaking thing for SIG. Yeah. Um, and then turns out the industry. So those things kind of went hand in hand, like we talked about, you know, getting a big company to do it makes it legitimate. What What's another thing you're proud of at, at uh, SIG? Because I, I, I know two things I could name. But what are you gonna say? Um, one of them you probably can't talk about because uh, the legals, the lawyers are being posted. No, uh, <laughs> um, no, I would say gender neutral <laughs> bathrooms. Everyone is listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, uh, probably the other thing at Sig for me was um, uh, on the commercial side. Anyway, was um, I had a I had a dream. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, I love I love Sig Classic line guns. I you know yeah, I always wonderful. always did and uh, but like most things, it's still what I think of when someone says Sig, I think of Classic line guns. I yeah. don't think of the three twenty. I don't yeah. think of anything. If somebody says Sig, you picture a two two six or a two twenty yeah. in your head, right? You know. That's what I think. Um, 
and I love those guns. Um, I love everything about them, but they could be better, right? And uh, the, the could be better part is the tweaky stuff that people typically do on their own. Yeah. And I said, well, what, what if... What if we did something, instead of letting people do it on their own, what if we took what people are doing that makes sense and actually do it? Yeah, um, like I had a 911 once, um, a, a Porsche. Yeah. I'd love to have a GT3. Yeah. Not the two. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but, so um, you put a whale tail on it, right? Now. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so anyway, had some ideas about that and uh, and did the Legion series, and um, that was you know from start to finish the actual designs, the actual how it went to market, what it was. Um, the, the coolest thing about that to me when I was doing it was picking up the phone and calling people like Winkler Knives mm-hmm. or. Surefire or mm-hmm. um, these other kind of companies that I really like their product. Yeah, and make world class stuff. And yeah. wanted them associated with what I was trying to do. And they immediately said, Yes, I want in on this. Yeah. And that was so cool. That's satisfying. That was so cool because they saw what we were trying to do. Yeah. Um, and they wanted to be part of it. So I'm, I'm particularly proud of how well that program has done those guns have done um i own all of them um i bought them all um love them all and you know i think that i I hope that sig continues to with the same level of attention and detail that we had in the beginning yeah um and i mean i will yeah that 226 sao legion that i have well i started i'm glad you said that because i started that's my that's my favorite gun right yeah so um SIG did a SAO 226 before the Legion series, and mm-hmm. they had a really hard time selling it. I was always a big fan of it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was kind of X5-y, and, you yeah. know, like, it was cool. And for those and, that don't know, the X5s were, um, like, competition kind of target. German. Yeah, made in Germany. Um, in the custom b- shop. Yeah. yeah, very expensive. But I have my two favorite handguns in the world for shooting. Um uh, the X6 and the X5 from Germany that have aluminum frames. Yeah. Um, I mean, the six-inch gun. I mean, that's a hundred-yard handgun. Yeah. Oh my god! X6 it's lightweight. Yeah. So good. But I don't know if anybody listening, if you like shooting handguns and you want a cool gun and you got a couple bucks, because I'm sure it's probably like three times the price of a Weijin uh, Sao, yeah. which. Is probably ninety five percent the gun. Yeah. Um, but I like the extra sight radius on that with the yeah. aluminum frame. The gun's lightweight because the X five, the latest ones that they imported right before you and I left, and I have one of those. There's only like twenty exported, I think. Yeah. Is a five inch, but it's a steel frame. All the, steel. Yeah. the gun's so heavy, it's yeah, not it's practical heavy. for me to like carry around my farms. So. Yeah. Um, but to that point, you know, like so, Sig didn't. You know, they they didn't do really well with the Sao two two six before the Legion series. So didn't there was market a, it correctly. No, and there was a lot of fight about actually doing, putting money in and doing the Legion Sao. Yeah. Um, I was right. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, anyway, of course so, you were. So they sold yeah. a lot of. But what was cool is at NRA they announced the next Legion gun. I don't know if you saw that. No, what is it? Sao two two nine. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, very cool. So I was I super excited. That. I was super excited. I thought you were going to say a 365. No, no, I was no. trying to think what you could no. do to it. SAO 229 and Tim Butler did it. 
um, and he he oh, got it. Oh, makes me proud of he him. He got it through, yeah. Because um, I know that was one of the things that where I got irritated being at SIG, and you know, and then, you know, I went there to do the silencer division and I think kind of to recruit people and do a couple other things but I was so bored because there was so little to do yeah. that I tried to like stick my weenie in everything that <laughs> it was interesting I thought I could help with but you know marketing wise and it would drive me crazy like the green with envy 238 like stop doing this silly yeah. shit like yeah. there's cool shit we could do like the legion stuff because I don't like gimmicky stuff and I like very kind of basic things but you know all the things that you would want to do to a gun i think you have it in that legion series from you know like the checkering or the 226 like all those things you know the sao that the only way it could be better to me is if it had an inch longer barrel in it you know like that would be cool but um yeah um yeah that gun's cool so if anybody's listening you want to get your favorite nine millimeter handgun you can't find one of the german x5s or x6s like i've got um, that Legion 226 SAO would be, if I could have one handgun yeah. right now, that's probably what it would be if I could go to a gun store and get it. Um, oh, the trigger on those. Yeah, people don't realize, like, why in the world would you want, you know, a, a, a double single when you could have a single action? Yeah, and that was another thing that was very uh, outside the box for SIG with the Legion thing was... Um, SIG's not known for its really, really cool triggers. Uh, no. <laughs> so, but you know who is, is uh, Bruce Gray with Gray Guns. Yeah. And um, uh, Bruce and I are friends, and uh, I went to Bruce, and uh, he was uh, excited about the opportunity, and he made all the DASA triggers for mm -hmm. Legion and the SAO triggers for Legion. So, oh, cool. I didn't know yeah, that. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah, because you're right. I mean, the the SIG triggers, I mean, I've never, you know, they're not... They're not awful, but... No, not, it's not the yeah. horrible trigger by yeah. him. I mean, it's better than most of the big companies. But, yeah, that SAO trigger is nice. And, and then putting a flat shoe in it is really great. I love that. That was a great idea. Um, all right. Well, that's... Oh, well, what I would say about that is, too, the store within a store. Is that what you ended up calling it? Yeah, we, um, that's what we called it internally. Um, it's the it's the elite dealer program, I think, is what people know it in the uh, out in the world. Uh, but it was the concept of actually building building a store, uh, a SIG branded store within a dealer's space. Um, yeah, that, that. So if you guys have seen it, I mean, I know next to us here. Um, well, there's a couple. It hooks it. It was at Shooter's, Shoot, Outpost, Shooter's Outpost, and then yeah. in, in next to my shop, Kittery, yeah. at the Trading Post has one. Um, it, it's so funny because when I was talking with Ron and interviewing with him and, and thinking about coming to work at Sig, y y you know, like I, I'm relatively creative artistically and draw every day and paint and do things. Um, I don't know. I think it's just therapeutic for me. But one thing I was impressed with once my kids got old enough and they had like uh, iPods and uh, iPhones or uh, whatever the other thing is, the iPads and stuff. Tablets. It, we would go, you know, the kids like do all kinds of weird shit to them. You got to go to the Apple yeah. store. It was next to our house. I'm going to fix it. And they have the Genius Bar. And I was like, this would be really great because I hate going to gun stores because, you know, the traditional sense, you think about 15, 20 years ago, smoky gun store, the grouchy old guys at work and nobody can help you. Wife beater, cigars. Yeah. Yeah. And so I actually, yeah, exactly. I drew out 
and uh, sketched out my sketchbook, which I showed Ron when I went to meet with him about coming to work at SIG. And it maybe had 12 pages in it that I had done things on that I was interested in doing at SIG. And one was, I called it the Genius Bar, where we would take whatever, you know, start with 50 retailers, and you have a SIG employee there, and you have a counter and the space behind it where it's all SIG stuff. But it wouldn't be a sales guy, but it would be an advocate that could explain to you. Because that's the problem. Most people don't realize, you know, the average guy, I, I see it at least with silencers, the average silencer buyer is still a first-time silencer yep. buyer. So there's just so much ignorance. And I was like, well, you know, SIGs or whatever, let's call it a 20% premium over some other very popular handguns. And, like, I love Glocks. Glocks are great. Um, I really love a 226, and I super love the SAO. Um, <laughs> but... You know, have a guy there who's not a sales guy, but he's an advocate for SIG. Because SIG has such a diverse product line where, and I thought it would be worth it at some bigger, you know, brick-and-mortar retailers where a guy would say, hey, you know, the Glock is great. Here's what's great about a 226. I mean, if you get it, you want a single action. And and you were right. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) thanks. But you kind of took it to another level. Like, when I saw what you were doing... um, it, it was even like a step beyond what I thought. But I still think you could do like a smaller version like I was thinking, have it in gun stores. Because there's some shit that SIG does I don't like overall. But, you know, I think of SIG like I do Ruger in the sense of a lot of cool shit, innovative, try a lot of new things. Um, but if you had somebody in a gun store who knew guns and could explain what's good about a Glock... Yeah. What, what's actually good about, you know, like a classic line, or even explain the difference in a 320 and a Glock, but, um, and then could change your sights, put in an SAO trigger, do, or, you know, whatever yeah. it is, just a flat sugar, uh, trigger shoe, um, you know, it would have been great for SIG. Yeah. Explaining, you know, like us working at SIG, we know the trials and the R&D and the testing that went into like the 516 rifle, for yeah. instance. And if you had somebody that could explain that and why it costs more than it does to buy a, you know, whatever, a Daniel Defense or a Rock River Arms AR-15, you, people would, if they could afford Understand it, would it. Yeah. totally buy it. Yeah, um, I agree. So I think the store then the store is cool. Yeah, um, I think they're up to 40 or 50 of those Are you now. serious? Yeah. That's a lot, yeah. Because it takes up a lot of space. Yeah. It's usually four hundred square feet. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, what do you? Um, what else do I have coming to mind? Difficulty. Oh, this is a good one, because I also have a sibling that is very much favored. So, for those that don't know, so um, your brother's name is TJ. Yeah, TJ. So TJ Creamer is is a U.S. astronaut and is yeah. Jeff's brother. So there's always jokes like, no matter what Jeff can accomplish, he's the idiot brother, <laughs> the idiot kid at Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's true. Like he can win the presidential election, yeah, they have true. Thanksgiving dinner, and his brother is on like NBC talking from the International Space Station to America during the Thanksgiving parade. Uh, so, so Jeff's true. an idiot. So how, so how does that work for you? Um, <laughs> Say hello to your brother. So, hey, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, everybody jokes that I'm the head of the siblings underachieving club. Um, so it was, and, and to make it worse, just as, I'll just digress for a second. So uh, uh, I belong to a... A, a email like notification group of from my college, and, yeah. and so I don't do anything in there, but but people post in there to, to let I guess the rest of the class know what's going on. And I went to a small school, yeah. 
So uh, it's now named after your brother, <laughs> yeah, right? right. Oh, well, he was a he was a professor at that school. For, he was asshole. Um, so yeah, he was a physics professor there for like three years. But um, so it was a small graduating class was like a thousand people, right? So it wasn't like a big school, and. Um, uh, I see, you know, like classmate, you know, oh, you know, congratulations to so and so for their, you know, these are yeah, my, yeah, these yeah. are my I classmates, went to about right? Similar size school, so. Uh, yeah. So let's see. One of them is the president of Mercedes Benz. <laughs> That's a good job. One of them is our current secretary of state. Mm. Um, you know, and and I, I keep getting these feeds going. God damn! And then I sit here with a you know a brother who's uh, you know maybe you overachieved. Maybe you were dumb and shouldn't have been able to even go to that school. <laughs> that's I think that's what we've come to come to decide. Yeah. So yeah, so that's been an exciting thing. Uh, when Jessica and I before we uh, got married, uh, one of the coolest things we ever did together was we went to Houston and um, got the uh, oh you're with the astronauts so we got to go places that people didn't get to go oh, that's and so cool. that was really cool uh really cool to see what that's all about and uh yeah he spent six months on the space station holy shit yeah what a cool experience yeah. so my best story my best astronaut story is uh after work one day uh, at the academy a bunch of the instructors and i we went to telly's and we're sitting at the bar <laughs> I know this story. and uh uh, one of the guys is hitting me and he said there's this there's this chick at the end of the bar she's checking you out I'm like oh fuck you you know like come on yeah and five minutes later she's tugging on my shoulder and I'm like yeah and she goes do I know you and I said I haven't even heard that before I was like no I don't think so and she's like shaking her head and she walks away I know I always figured they're picking my pocket yeah exactly girl ever right talks you know like, me, cause, like oh, I mean you know what I look like she's not she's coming up gypsy. to talk to me right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any money yeah. so you know and she comes back I do know you weren't you on Dancing with the Stars and I was like I started everybody starts laughing I'm like no and she's like huh and she's like really confused and she walks away and this uh, female bartender is really cool. She turns around, she starts out, she goes, You dumbass, your brother was on last night on Dancing with the Stars. I'm like, What? <laughs> Damn it. I don't even pay attention. He yeah. can even <laughs> dance better than me. Well, the best part was he's on the he's on the space station at the time because they, they filmed it in space, right? So he's doing like it was when John what? Glenn John Glenn was on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, yeah, contest, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So they cut to him in the space station he's doing like somersaults and stuff he's like hey John can you do this you know like you're being oh, yeah. a smart ass so I, I was at the time I was able to text him on the space station because they allow like five numbers to go through you are know, you I was, serious yeah so I was one of, so I'm sitting oh, at the Wi-Fi. I, yeah. I can't get it next to her they got on the damn space station those Russians are crafty man so I'm sitting at the bar and everybody's laughing I'm like holy shit so I text him and uh, I don't know it depends on I guess where he is you know what, uh, yeah. but he answered he goes I said hey and he's like what's up and I said you know the best thing about you being an astronaut is you all Almost got me late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep doing TV appearances, please. My love life is tracking in the right direction. Yeah. And his response was, these texts are monitored. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he's a dork. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's how Thanksgiving dinner goes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes it tough. <laughs> that makes it tough. Oh, God, my brother. Because, you know, I'm an accident by seven years. Yeah. So I, my brother's the golden child. And it's like, he could come to Thanksgiving dinner with a duffel bag full of severed heads. <laughs> it would be okay. I would be the asshole. Would you like some pumpkin pie, honey? Yeah, he's like, oh, <laughs> Kevin, you go deal with this while your brother gets some pie. Yeah. It'll be terrible. Awesome. I get it. Um, awesome. What else we have on here? That's not that important. This has been a, this has been a great time. Um... And just, we did most of that. Um, 
No, I don't know. Unless you had something here, any new products that you like or something you saw at shot. I mean, I just got back from NRA. You said you didn't go. Yeah. The market's been weird for a few years. Yeah, I um, we were at shot. It was weird this year because um, this was the first year we displayed at shot. We were upstairs in the oh. next, the next area. You know, we yeah. get like a four foot table and you you yeah. stand there uh, for twelve hours and you talk to people, which was awesome. Um, but we were so slammed. I actually, this is the first year at shot. I never got to walk the floor. Oh, really? Um, so. Uh, I had people come and tell me things that they saw that were cool, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't get, get a chance. To, I didn't get a chance to go, and uh, we just moved into a new facility, which is why we didn't go to NRA. Yeah, um, very nice, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Uh, but so yeah, so I didn't. I didn't really get to see anything. I, I don't know that there's anything right now that I would tell you. You know, I gotta. I gotta go put my hands on. Yeah. And, you know, gotta go look. Yeah, it's um, it's a strange few years in the industry. I mean, I've been in it a long time. This is an interesting little time. Yeah. What's uh okay? Well, I guess some final thing. Like, what's uh what do you see new for you guys or on the horizon that you can talk about? Uh, yeah. So, we just I mean our big product launch this year was the uh, was the SBA three. It was the first time. Um, you know, a, a brace was made it up with a standard carbine receiver extension. Yep. Um, a lot of people didn't understand that, you know, you could put a carbine receiver extension on a pistol. Um, so that's kind of the the fun part of, you know, working with the ATF and getting to see, you know, going back and researching all the previous, you know. And in 2004, they actually said, yeah, it doesn't matter what receiver extension you put on a pistol, but it matters what you put on that receiver extension, right? So <laughs> if you have a pistol yeah. with a carbine receiver extension and you put a carbine stock on it, it's no longer a pistol, you know, so. Yeah. Um, so, but that, that's that gone really well. We've got a couple of new things coming this year, which we're kind of excited about. The one that's been made public, not by us, um, was CZ. And... Uh, they're launching a, a new kind of K version of their Scorpion. Um, oh. That's going to feature a new brace that we did for them, which is a, a, a PDW, Honey Badger style, you know, uh, oh, telescoping well, cool. brace for... And so for the, and the K short, so short yeah. barrel. Yeah, but it the receiver, the, the rear receiver is the same as the traditional Scorpion S1 out there. So um, there's been a lot of inquiry about that. People are like really interested in that, that design. So I think that, you know, that'll be cool. We're going to, we're going to come out with that this summer. Um, We're working on the same thing for probably the most requested product for us. Oddly enough, this might surprise you, um, is uh, A3 style for the MP5. Um, So we're, uh, we're working on that as well. I mean, I will say, people love the PDW Honey Badger style stocks. It's not my favorite. Um, I mean, I I think when we talk about the Honey Badger and the operating system, we have a receiver extension that extends. Yeah. It's the best thing. Yeah. Um, But with some other guns, like when I think about AK-47s, like I've got five or six AKs, I liked the fixed stock and the side Side folding folding. i hate the underfolding with the two rails it's the worst to shoot and i think that's kind of a consensus um and with the mp5 like i you know i've got i don't know maybe half a dozen mp5s um different flavors and all the the collapsing stock i don't is there a name for the the a3 stock yeah it's a3 style stock so um this definitely looks the coolest yeah 
but you know it's heavier than the fixed stock yeah. and i don't know why they didn't ever do a side folding for that but um bnt did so oh, they did yeah and oh like the ump stock yeah okay. exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so we offer that now for the mp5 we have a side folder that's Ooh, based on that's the, nice that's based on the bnt does it we actually work with carl Brueger on that design Oh, um, yeah. and he said, you know, he gave it his blessing and everything. So, and and I think that's that's what you know. You guys have helped us, and 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 I think we've gotten better at understanding um, how to slim things down, lighten things up, make things um, yeah. better. And um, you know what 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 I think people forget, but I, I'll I'll take this opportunity to reinforce it is the whole purpose of while the brace was designed initially to help you know, a disabled veteran control a pistol with one hand. Yeah. Okay. That's what the brace is designed for. The reason the market accepted it so well, I think, <clears throat> is that what it really does for everybody else is it provides a third point of contact that allows you to better control a pistol. You know, that PDW style Absolutely. Pistol. Um, if, and you know, from the beginning, it's funny, when Alex designed the thing, he didn't even understand what NFA was like he didn't oh, know he wasn't into and okay. a lot of people have told him that had he known had he been from the industry he never would have tried it yeah I, I mean I think it's probably why you know I was a naysayer and I'm sure a lot of others when you've been around it so long you just start to just the ignorance of oh you know ATF's gonna say no yeah it's not gonna be allowed yeah but the truth is like you read the regulations you follow the rules and if you have a question you submit it yeah and that's you know that's what he did and i think i think that's probably a fair statement is like if had he been had he been you know had our background in the industry had been in the industry for 10 or 15 years or whatever the case is he would have never done this he would have thought you know that's not gonna that's not gonna fly yeah and so from that standpoint you know it's one of the few times i can point to somebody coming from outside the industry and doing something that's kind of cool yeah <laughs> well <laughs> you, know, you, just... you know i'll relate that well that's a product thing um you know my last podcast was dave Matheny, or one of the last ones of uh, silencer shop yeah where it was another situation he was outside of the industry he had a son that was deaf in one ear they wanted to shoot he bought a couple silencers you know, in his mind, is they can help to preserve the remaining right. hearing his son has, and um, it, the the process was such a pain in the ass. He just decided to make it simple. Yeah, you know, to help to make yeah. it simple for for the retail customer. That's such it a shouldn't good story. be so hard. <laughs> That's yeah, such a good and story. and then yeah. he just and all he did, real brilliant guy. He just read the regulations, and then did everything he could to make it easier that was within the regulations yeah. and you know he's been wildly successful and it, the great thing about that and that's where you, you know i have absolutely no jealousy with his success because all he did was help everyone yeah um yeah. So that's cool that's cool with this too so you might be right i mean it's like we get too jaded being in it is yeah. back to the eugene stoner thing had i been yeah, an right. engineer i, I never would have done it yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah oh. so and i think that that i think you know what's true is that it really boils down you know from a from a legislative or from you know rule of law standpoint right it's very difficult to legislate intent but the ATF has yeah. been consistently clear consistently clear from the beginning that if your intention of putting a brace on a gun is to circumvent the NFA then you've created an SBR if your intention however okay. is to put an accessory on a pistol to better control the pistol it's fine. Um, 
and this speaks to a broader issue of like NFA, really? Like, come on. Yeah. Like, um, and I'm the first one to tell you as a consumer, as somebody in the industry, the NFA is dumb. Well, yeah, I mean, when you think about the number of legally owned machine guns that had to be made and registered mm -hmm. domestically prior to May of 1986, how many crimes are committed with those? I can't think of a one. Yeah. Silencers that are legally owned. You know, so I mean, it just comes to a, a bigger, and it's, you know, this is where it gets to be big politics, but it's like, well, you know, I, I mean, I think most rational, logical people, it's like if you're a criminal, you're going to commit crimes. It, yeah. If you're an honest guy, you're going to follow rules. But yeah, creating a rule to, you know, where you can't have your gun be louder or a barrel a certain length or whatever. I mean, at this point in this country, when there's so many guns, criminals are going to have guns. Yep. Um, and some of these rules don't make any sense. Like, I think I've not seen a short barrel. You know, like the big thing right now was, uh, you know, right now, you know, and for a few years, obviously, it's the school shootings. Like, I don't see silencers used in those. I haven't seen one with short barrels yet. Yeah. I haven't seen one with a full auto, even a stupid bump stock. Um, you know, which is also such a weird caveat to this whole conversation. And that's what we were talking about, um, you know, Mac from Military Arms Channel doing yeah. videos on, and I'm not sure I agree with everything anybody in our industry says, uh, including Mac, but it's really great to show where he shows every single rifle he can bump fire it without yeah. a special stock yeah. on it to just illustrate the stupidity and ignorance of, like, all the legislation around those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, the idea of, yeah, if you make these new regulations, you know, whether it's law or regulatory agency, whatever this situation is, yeah, you're just stopping innocent, you know, like innocent people who follow the law from doing something. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not, you're not doing anything to to, to really stop any sort of crime. Um, yeah, the arm brace to me is just a phenomenal thing that's been wonderful for our industry. Thank you. Thank you. And. Uh, we yeah. hope we can continue to uh, bring out new cool stuff that makes people's pistols better. Yeah. Well, you definitely are judging by the honey badger arm brace. <laughs> the pistol that's now available and shipping in small Click quantities and growing. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, Jeff, thank you so thank much. You. It's always great seeing you. I appreciate it. And, uh, and I'm glad we're getting to work together and do stuff together. Yeah, man. Now. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks much.